uh, this this morning we started the Advent and uh, and we lit the candle and and they talked about what that was about. Hopefully you were paying attention. Um, and and typically we light start with the white candle, but um, they started they lit the pink candle today. But that's really it doesn't matter. It's a candle and. Uh, Bless people's hearts. We get them up here to do this traditional stuff, and we don't explain what we're doing very well. Uh, and so then they get all nervous. And anyways, Thanksgiving was good and, and bad for me all at the same time. Uh, I I have posted my pie count on Facebook. And um, I was telling the youth earlier, uh, obviously, one of the big things that always happens at holidays in my family is table talk. And because everybody, pretty much everybody's in ministry at my family's house, my dad dad's side of the family. Table talk is always theology, always, or moral, morality issues, or the decline of morality in our country, and that sort of thing, and how we know best how to fix it uh, as Dietz's. And um, my brother-in-law, uh, they, they got to talking about, about um, how in their city, they, it was up for election on whether to allow alcohol sales or not. And I'm not going to argue one side or the other tonight, but my brother-in-law and his church was really lobbying that they would not legalize it. And so being Baptist that they are, and Kim being Methodist that she is, she asked the question, well, what's, what's, is it immoral to legalize the sale of alcohol? Uh, we know the Bible says not to get drunk, but is it immoral to sell it? And, and does, does selling it outside of city limits doesn't stop people from in the city from buying it and bringing it in? It just means that maybe even more of them are buying it, going to bars outside of the city, drinking, and then driving under the influence back home. And, and you know, she was just getting involved in discussion. And my brother-in-law jumped all over her um, and said, well, you know, why don't we just go give condoms to everybody that isn't married yet, you know, and, and equated the two. Um, and I didn't say anything, and Kim didn't say anything because we've learned our lesson and Kim for asking the question because uh, we would rather just get through table talk without that. Um, but the thought that ran through my mind was, you know, I've got this pie count going on Thanksgiving. And, uh, <laughs> and from Monday morning until Saturday uh, when we left or Friday night, whatever, um, I think that's all we did was eat. From the moment we arrived to the moment we left. In fact, in the Dietz family, uh, my grandmother's house has two living areas. And we never sit in the living areas. We always sit in the kitchen around the table. We play games around the table. We talk around the table. And we are always eating. And my particular brother-in-law that jumped on Kim, you know, um, was indeed at that time, point in time, eating as well, pie, you know, as we were playing a game or something. And the thought that came to my mind was, wow, you know, maybe we should stop selling food in the city limits. Uh, and that way we could avoid gluttony as well. Um, but anyways, that was just for your joy and pleasure and food for thought. So tonight when y'all go home and eat supper, you can think about that as you eat leftovers from Thanksgiving. Uh, and, and then all the poor starving children in Africa that are dying tonight, not having anything to eat. But the pie was good. No, in all seriousness, Tonight we begin Advent. In the season of Advent, tonight we begin, or today we begin with the candle of hope. And, and Richard did a phenomenal job talking about the Messiah. Um, one of the things that, that um, as you really begin to look at missions in the Bible, one of the things 
that you'll see is that our God is a missional God. From the beginning of time, God intended for his son to come and save mankind. All the way from Genesis 3, we see that God had planned for us a Messiah, a Redeemer, a Savior. And, um, and we see that played out all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New. Indeed, Jesus was the first missionary leaving his home and coming so that we might receive his salvation. And then likewise, he sent out the disciples to go and make, to go and make disciples. And so, so we see the hope of the Messiah all throughout God's plan and his story. And, uh, and as we begin this season, I want to I read part of the Christmas story. Maybe you don't normally read it at home. Uh, we certainly don't read it when we're up here and Richard's in his red rocker, and the kids come up with their headpieces on and that kind of stuff. Um, if you're like me, that's when you get your Christmas stories at the Christmas Eve candlelight service. Um, and, and our boys tend to be donkeys or cows. Why they've never wanted to be Joseph or wise men, I don't know, but they want to be a cow or a donkey. So, uh, But anyways, we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 1 tonight, if you want to turn there. Now I'm going to start in verse 39. Now, at this point, uh, Mary has had an angel come to her. She freaked out. The angel said, no, don't bow to me. I'm a messenger from the Lord. He tells her that she's going to be conceive a child that was um, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she's going to give birth to a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and what she should name him and all that, even though this 13, 14-year-old lady is not married at the time. She's engaged, but not married. Historically, at the time, uh, girls would get married at that age. And, and an engagement in those times began when the man came to the girl's father and paid dowry for her, asked for her hand and paid dowry. And if the father accepted the dowry the hu- husband-to-be was offering, then from that moment forward, at any time, that man could come and take that woman in as his bride. And so an engagement wasn't like today where you go and the guy gets down on one knee and gives her traditionally a ring and she says yes and, and then they go on about their business. And it, and it was a lot more involved than that because morally speaking, once, once a man had paid dowry and a father had accepted that dowry, they were, even though they were not wedded yet, they were engaged and an engagement back then uh, was was uh, not just something you did before marriage. It was part of the marriage process. And so to break off that engagement in those times was considered a divorce. That's how seriously took engagement. So here's Mary, 13, 14, something years old. Angel comes to her, tells her that she's going, that she has a carrying, she's carrying a baby that was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And and so she's looking at, the, at the, her situation, or she could have looked at her situation uh, and, and thought, oh, my goodness. Because the reality of it is, is that if, if they find out she's pregnant uh, before Joseph has come to take her as his bride, then by the law, she could be even stoned. Uh, in her tradition, she could be stoned. Uh, her father would lose face in society. She would definitely lose face, and Joseph would lose face because they would either accuse Joseph of inappropriately um, taking her 
and, and having sexual relations with her before the wedding ceremony had taken place, or it would have to be another man. So it was just an, it was a cultural dilemma that was just ridiculous for her. I can't imagine at 13 or 14 having to bear the stress of all of that. Crazy. Well, Mary gets up, and, and we know the story. An angel comes to Joseph. Joseph decides to take Mary. And, and um, here we find ourselves in Luke chapter 1. Mary's going to visit her, her um, uh, Elizabeth, who's, who's kin to her. And so here we pick it up at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting... The baby leaped in her womb, because Elizabeth is pregnant too. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. That's awesome. It's awesome. It's prophetic, and it's awesome. And, and there's, there's several things that, that are just amazing about that passage for me. Uh, one is that while God has asked Mary to do something that is countercultural completely, God has asked her to carry this child, um, and Mary has agreed. Mary has humbly submitted to the Lord. And so the Lord brings confirmation for her. She goes to her aunt's house. She goes to Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth, when Mary comes in and says, hello, the baby inside Elizabeth's womb jumps and she is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like straight out of a movie, you know. And Elizabeth, then Elizabeth goes off on this prophetic tangent. And she just, I mean, she basically just, encourages Mary and confirms, brings confirmation for Mary that she hadn't just eaten a bad mustard seed one night, but that indeed God was with her. And, and here Elizabeth, not only does she, she encourage Mary, but she worships the baby inside of Mary. She declares that he is the one. That will, that will, bring, um, that will bring salvation to the world. Blessed is the child you will bear. Now things are about to get even freakier. Because straight out of a Disney movie, Mary breaks out in song. My parents used to make me watch musicals. We had four, I have uh, four brothers and one sister. My sister's dab in the middle. And growing up, we only had one TV and one VCR. This was back before DVDs. And, uh, we lived in Chile, and you couldn't really get American TV or anything, so what we would do is our grandparents would just record TV all day long, commercials and everything, because that's one of the things you really like to watch just as much as the movies or shows themselves was the commercials. It was very cultural. You learn more about culture through the commercials than you do the shows. And so they would just record, like, literally hours and hours and hours of just TV, and then they would send us, like, 20 VHS tapes, videos, you know, those antique things that you guys have at your house? They would ship those to us in Chile. And uh, my grandmother had her granddaughter, which is one of two out of six, three, five, ten, twenty. 
out of 12 grandkids, two girls. So my grandmother loved to flower and lavish the girls with stuff. Well, my grandmother would record all these Shirley Temple movies and any musical that came on TV. And so it was always horrible because my sister would get home from school before me. Uh, and, and because she didn't have a brother to play with, she lived in that room in front of the TV. And whenever we wanted to watch TV, inevitably, she'd be in there watching some stupid musical. I say that from my mindset when I was seven or eight. Stupid musical. There was only one that was good, and that was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And that's just because the dance moves they did were really interesting. Cool. But, and the guys just went and took their wives. It was like straight out of Bible times. I loved that too. But anyways, Emily would watch these shows, and I hate musicals. I hate musicals. I love animated movies for my boys, but I hate when they break out in song. For some reason, Disney for a while always had to break out in song, you know. And so like Lion King, this great movie about these lions, and then in the middle of nowhere, these lions are walking along, and they start singing, you know. That's the best part. See, there's a girl for you, you know. You know, lions and tigers and stuff walking through the jungle and they just finished this great battle scene or, or chasing the wildebeests or learn, you know, and then they break out in song, you know, and it's just like, what? Come on, that's not real life. You know, I had great pies this week, but after taking a great piece of pie, I didn't go, hallelujah, the pie was worthy to eat. Let's all get on our feet and dance. You know, you don't do that, you know. But in the shows, they would, right? It was just horrible. Well, the reality of it is, yes, in real life it does happen. Here in the Bible, Mary walks into Elizabeth's house. She says, hello, and Elizabeth goes, woo, and just rattles off this prophecy. And she says, man, you know what, she, what we read earlier. And then here's Mary. Mary breaks out in song. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms, with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud into their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Now, that doesn't sound like a song to you or I. And you might ask the question, how do we know that that was a song? But when you go back to the Greek or the Aramaic, and you look at it, you'll see that that is written in prose, and indeed, much like the Psalms, it was written as a Jewish song. I bet you never heard that in your Christmas story before. Here's Mary. I, I can just imagine the scene. Just like this weekend when I walked into my grandma's house, you know, and all my family's there, you know, and I, I imagine, imagine going home tonight and going, I'm home. And your dad going, whoa! Profetting off some spat. And then you're going, whoa, great is the Lord. And you, know, and you just bust out in song. That is just as crazy as the fact that this 13, 14-year-old girl is pregnant with a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's crazy. It cannot be explained by the human nature. 
because it goes counter nature and everything. Some of it's biologically impossible. But as we start Advent season and we talk about hope, we need to understand the supernatural. And it's so easy for us, the older we get, the more we hear the Christmas story, we hear, you know, and the more we read the Apostles' Creed, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord Almighty, you know, born of a virgin. You know, the more we say stuff like that, the more we desensitize ourselves to the fact that that Christ coming into this world was as miraculous, and, and not just miraculous in the fact that that the Holy Spirit conceived a baby inside the womb of Mary, not just miraculous in that the Creator became the created. It was miraculous in that an angel appeared to Mary. It was miraculous that this young girl humbled herself and agreed to go along with something that was ridiculous in, mind, in human mind at that time, cultural mind. It would be today. Miraculous in that when she goes and visits Elizabeth, Elizabeth's child at the voice of Mary jumps inside. By the way, that baby would then become, go on to become John the Baptist who would lead the way for Christ's ministry. This baby recognized Mary when she walked in. Don't ever read the, the verses in Jeremiah where God says that he has a plan to prosper you not to harm you, where he created you with a purpose for your life. Here's John the Baptist inside Elizabeth, not even born yet. And when he hears the voice of Mary walking in, he leaps inside of her. Remember, at this time, Elizabeth has not been filled with the Spirit yet. Christ has not died, so she's not a believer, and the Spirit does not dwell within her. She has not been filled as of yet with the Spirit. So this infant recognizes Mary's voice. This infant was created with a purpose and a plan by God. This infant would lead the way for Christ's ministry to come. This infant recognized Mary's voice and leaped inside of Elizabeth. That is miraculous, that this infant, without even having the brain development to process, to think, to know the plan that God had for him, had a plan. And in God's sovereignty, this infant recognized Mary's voice and leapt inside because that woman bore the child, the Messiah, the one whom this child was created to lead the way for. And then if that wasn't miraculous enough, Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Spirit and she begins to prophesy. She begins to speak on behalf of the Holy Spirit who's empowering her to speak. And she prophesies not just for Mary, but for all of us that would read Scripture from that day forward. She proclaims to the world through the Scriptures who this child is. And if that wasn't miraculous enough, Mary breaks off spontaneously in a song. In a song that was prophetic in and of itself. That if you read through this song, if you read through your Bible, if your Bible's one of those that has the little asterisks and has little verses off beside each verse going to other verses, you'll see that some of the things that she sings about were prophetic and were fulfilled and recorded in Scripture later on. Our God miraculously came into our world, a world that He had created. And everything about his intervention is miraculous and should bring hope to us. This young woman, from human standards, had every reason to be embarrassed, ashamed, afraid. Instead, she was humble. She was willing. And she herself fulfilled God's purposes for her life.
And because she was obedient, God was able to manifest through her and bring salvation to the entire world. What was Mary's response as she received confirmation from the Holy Spirit through Elizabeth and as she recognized what or whom she was carrying in her womb? She worshiped. She sang. We have reason to hope. And now, more than ever in this country, we need to really stop and think and process through our Advent season. We need to stop this Christmas and we need to think beyond gifts, beyond pie counts, and beyond family. And we need to think about the miraculous intervention of God on our behalf. When we sing songs, carols like we did this morning, rather than just singing the words we know oh so well by memory and just rattling them off, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. We need to think about the songs we are singing. Because Mary responded to God's confirmation and to the fact that he was sending the Messiah by singing. Singing a song out of joy and worship, a prophetic song. And when we sing on these Sundays of Advent, we need to, we need to not just sing the carols that we know so well and just dismiss them as, oh, it's Christmas season, it's time to sing Christmas carols. We need to stop and think about what we're singing. This morning, were you truly celebrating? Or were you watching the bell? I don't know what you call them, bellers? No, I know they're a handbell choir, but what do you call an individual? Is it a beller? A dinglinger? Whatever. Were you singing? Were you thinking? Were you admonishing, glorifying, and celebrating? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Were you, were you asking, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And do what? And ransom captive Israel. We are the new Israel. We are God's people. Think about those words. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, God with us, and ransom captive your people. It's a song for revival. It's a song for God to come anew and to deliver his people who are oppressed. Think about that song when you think about our Pakistani members who have family members who are being martyred for the sake of Christ while right now. Think about that song when you think about our Cambodian members who've come out of the Khmer Rouge this Christmas season. Think about that song when you walk through school and you look around at your friends that are lost without direction in their life. Think about that song when we go to work and we're working next to our colleagues who are slaving away, doing overtime so they can have more money to buy presents this Christmas season. And come back next Sunday when we sing those songs. Let's stop and let's, let's like Mary, let's pause and let's glorify our King. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and 
triumphant. How many of us walked into church this morning joyful and triumphant over life's trials because our king is coming? Christmas songs are some of the best worship songs out there. As we go through this season, as you go through this week, remember the hope that you have and live out that hope so that, like First Peter says, others might see the hope that you have and long to know the reason for the hope that you have as we begin Advent. Lord, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit upon us, that you would remind us of the awesome deliverance that your Son has come into this world and died on the cross and defeated death and rose from the grave so that we might not be slaves to sin no more. As we walk through the next four weeks, Lord, let them not just be a week, preparation for a holiday, but let us acknowledge the fact that as a church, these four weeks are a time of celebration, of remembrance. It should be a time of revival and worship. And I pray that we can carry that out in our lives. In Jesus' holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming. We'll see you next week. Or this week, Wednesday.